Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. I'm Zachary Bader-Shamai. And I'm Eddie Meredith. And we are here. Week 8 is in the books. And wow, do we have some crazy playoff scenarios that we're going to share with you that we've, we've crunched in a, in a wild week in the OUA. Yeah, someone at the OUA has an advanced degree in mathematics or, <laughs> or quantum fuckery. Or just a lot of time on their hands. A lot of time on their hands because the OUA has figured out every possible playoff scenario. And I've got my greasy mitts on it, so I will. Uh, well, we will break it down for you. Yeah, and uh, it's a mess. Let, let, let's just put it that way. Like even reading it, you don't fully understand it. Yeah, it, it, it's it's it's. Well, you'll just have to stay tuned and uh, you know have your own input on it. But it, it it is wild, and it was another wild week in the OUA. Um, should we just jump right into it? I mean, what else are we waiting for? So we'll go through the OUA, and then we'll have a look around Can West and the RCQ. Yeah. Uh, see how things are. Shaping up as we do. Yeah, and uh, you know, preview the final week in the OUA, and probably somewhere in that time we will give you the uh, breakdown of the different playoff scenarios based on different outcomes in Week 9. Um, there was, of course, uh, Friday games again this week, so that's where we'll start off. Windsor versus Laurier and Carlton and York, then moving towards Saturday, the marquee game, which disappointed, I think, quite a few people. Western Ottawa, then we have Toronto and Guelph, and uh, we'll finish off with probably the most one, one of the most exciting games uh waterloo and mac and at least one that had some massive implications um but let's jump right in and uh go with windsor and laurier final score in this one the laurier golden hawks 39 the windsor lancers 24 um but you know despite that being well I, not nowhere near lopsided but that's a you know a two touchdown uh win and laurier being on paper, a much better team than Windsor. This was a competitive game throughout. Uh, Windsor really showed in times. Maybe a look to the future. Something. I mean, we've seen this at times for them this whole year, but they're showing some really good things. Uh, and, of course, it starts in the passing game uh, with Sam Girard. Yeah, Windsor's offense goes through Sam Girard. We knew that coming in. Obviously, they'd shown us some different stuff or, or some growth in their running game with that offensive line. It is a much better offensive line at this point in the year than it has been all year long. Uh, the unit that has got some guys back from injury, most substantially Drew Desjardins, but also their left tackle. Not going to try to say his last name. It's difficult. Uh, Ivage? I, I don't I mean, come on. And, uh, I mean, so they, they've gotten better. They've gelled yeah. as a unit. Did you notice they were giving them a lot of time? They were giving Gerard a lot of time against a very formidable defensive line. Oh, 100%. I mean, those drives, and most notably in the in the second quarter when Windsor put up 19 points, they were driving the ball. And, you know, Gerard was seemingly just picking Laurier apart. And it was like, how is he getting all this time? Because you have uh, the top top two Top three? Who would you? A, a pass rushing team in Laurier's D line? Yeah. I and, mean, yeah. And, but Windsor just at times was just shutting them down. And it really, like, that's such a testament to how good Gerard is, where it's like, you give him the time. He's got some weapons around him. The, you know, their, their run game, they've still obviously been trying to figure that out. It, it looks like they've, um, you know, for a while it was Gaynor and Kentner a little back and forth. It looks like Kentner is the go to back for them now he's getting the most carries and subsequently of course um providing the most protection um yeah and i don't know if i completely agree with it i mean i think they're both good backs and yeah. it's not as though they're it's not as though they're different style backs so i kind of get it if you want to feed one yeah, guy more right. than the other but 
I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought Marvin Gaynor was making great plays for them. So not that Kenner isn't. Uh, obviously, in this game, they didn't have a ton of room to run. Right. You know, it, it, this we this defensive line for Laurier is a good pass rushing unit. It's just as good against the run. So the fact that they didn't generate a ton of pass rush, a little surprising. But the fact that they were stout against the run is absolutely not surprising. And on the Laurier side of things, offensively, they went back with Caracelo, obviously proving the, you know the coach's decision right last week when he had um, you know a solid outing. Um, but the story of this game for Laurier on offense is one that it has been in many weeks, which is, of course, their running attack, which starts and ends with Lavondre Gordon. But it's a little bit de- deceptive. If you're looking at the box score, seeing that Lavondre Gordon had 19 attempts for 173 yards, you're thinking, okay, he had an amazing game. He had you know, a long of 36 and a touchdown. He's probably just chipping away with long runs the whole game. That's not quite the case. If you're watching the first half of this game, the first two drives, that was all of Andre Gordon. True, true. Of that 173 yards, you probably had, I don't know, 80 of them on the first two drives. And that, that got Laurier 10 points on the board really quickly. But, it, it, you know, after that, Windsor's defense, not for the entire rest of the game, but for the next sort of quarter and a bit, um, you know, quarter and a half until halftime, really did a nice job of slowing Lavandre down, making that run game just a little bit less efficient because at the beginning of the game, it, it looked like Laurier was going to run for 500 yards. They were going to pull a Western. Yeah, and, and once again, if you're just looking at the box score, you're going to see that in the third quarter, Laurier won that by a difference of 21 to nothing. But you know, one of the other stories in this game, and particularly in that third quarter, was just really, really brutal breaks. For Windsor, there was one play where, uh, going back to Gordon, where he had a fumble, which Windsor recovered, and then I think the very next play, there was a high snap. I think yeah, there was there was two fumbled snaps. I think one was on one was definitely on Gerard. One was just way over his head. I think this was the one that was on the center and ended up forcing Lori, um, pardon me, Windsor to take the touch uh, to take the safety, which then ended up leading to Laurier scoring when they got the ball back, and then they kicked off to Windsor, and Windsor fumbles it in the end zone, Laurier recovers. So a span in the span of like, it feels like five or six minutes, they scored 16 points. Yeah, they like imploded that. because otherwise, if you're watching this game, I mean, with that great second quarter that Windsor had where yeah. they were slowing Laurier down and getting a lot, you know, a ton moving for themselves offensively, you're thinking this is a game. Yeah. But they gave it up in the third quarter. That happens. I mean, every now and then a team that's playing above their sort of – above their, their – what you would think to yeah. be their best – they're going to implode. The Shit magic happens. runs out it's, eventually. It's football, exactly. Yeah. Um, for Laurier, though, this is now um, two consecutive weeks where we've seen some history being made for the Golden Hawks. Um, so let's just address that right out the gate. Um, Curly Gittens is now officially the all-time uh, OUA leader in receptions. He's uh, – let me just pull it up here. So he passed um, – Pardon me. Um, sorry. He so he passed former Lancer receiver Jordan Brishani. 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 Brishkachin. Well, sorry, sorry, Lancer Nation. Yeah. I I uh, you know 
muff that one up. No apologies. But no apologies. Uh, anyway, so he's now the OUA leader in receptions. Really, it's his fault for having a tough last name. <laughs> with uh, Wills as 193rd that got him the record. He ended up with eight total receptions and uh, making him the fifth player in U Sports slash CIS history to hit that 200 reception mark. And in four years, we're not going to get a fifth from him. He's going to be in the CFL next year. He's going to be, I don't know. I mean, there were a lot of Americans or a lot of kids playing in the U.S. this year. So it, it's conceivable that Curley's not a first-round pick. I don't, think, I don't think he should slip out of the first round, but you never know. I mean, mm. he's going to be one of those early picks. He's going to be gone. He's going to be balling in the CFL. And it's been a joy to watch him his entire career, including, you know, as a first-year kid, as a second-year kid. He was a really incredible talent. So hope everyone in the OUA can just stop for a minute and take a second and realize the, the, you know, the talent we've witnessed. There are lots of guys like that, and we'll try to, you know, not everyone who deserves that kind of shout-out, that kind of praise is going to necessarily get it, um, and they're not going to break the records that he's broken. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're witnessing a pretty, pretty incredible feat right now, so. Yeah, and you know, like you said, watching him in his first year and his second year, you don't break records like that unless you're producing from the jump. Uh, so just a testament to his just just talent, his work ethic, and you know, a fantastic career to say the to say the least. Uh, but another Golden Hawk <clears throat> moving into some rarefied air, Nathan Mesher, who we saw get injured uh, with, uh, last week, is now back kicking for them, and he's now first in Laurier scoring. Um, with a field goal he got in the third quarter, uh, now having 275 points on his career, passing the former holder in Chris Mammo. I was actually surprised reading that. I kind of just assumed Ronnie Pfeffer might have held their record for most points given the career he had, but uh, yeah, and not an unfair assumption. Yeah, so There's some dominant laureate teams back in the day, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just a quick sort of well, not really an aside, very you know pertinent to this game and to Laurier uh, football. But, you know, like we kind of said, this, this game kind of th – that third quarter of those mistakes was kind of just a nail in the coffin. Windsor playing a bit above their reach. And, you know, this was obviously an incredibly important game for Laurier to take. Oh, yeah, no kidding, because Laurier has dug himself an enormous hole. And, and honestly, the way they were playing for portions of this game – didn't necessarily suggest to me that they had the urgency that I was hoping for, mm. you know, for them. Yeah. Um, Another but, 11 a.m. start, but you'd think that would favor the home team. Yeah, I, I, I mean, absolutely, you think it would. Yeah. But, hey, 11 a.m. starts are weird. What are you doing, OUA? What, 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 what goes through your head when you think, yeah, let's have a game at 11 a.m. for absolutely no reason? Oh, is it a holiday? No, no, no. We're just, <laughs> we're just, we're just going to do it live. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. To the um, one thing about Windsor, I just want I, I want to talk about. I we had mentioned this earlier in the season when we started to see some of these uh, signs of positivity from this team, and I'd mentioned uh, this uh, saying that one of my former coaches had mentioned to me how the way you see a program develop is you know when you're in that really bad stage where you're losing big and everything's ugly, and then you start making those changes in terms of coaching and team personnel and obviously players, and then you move from those big losses into smaller losses. Eventually, you start squeaking a few wins here and there. Those those, those uh, two, three-point losses become yep. two, three-point wins, et cetera, et cetera, until you build a, a contending team. And when you look through this season, let's just go through some of those losses they've had. Sure. We had that week one loss against Waterloo, the 53-37 game, which was just a shootout. I mean, I, I kind of want to go back and you know revisit that one just a little bit when all said and done because it just that was just remarkable. 
Uh, I think that was like the Sunday night game versus Waterloo, Gerard versus Trey Ford. Then they had that game against Carlton, final score 38-20. But that game was tightly contested pretty much until kind of like we talked about this Laurier game late in the ball game and even later than it happened in this Laurier game. Yep. A couple things went Carlton's way and it just snowballed from that. Then they had that loss against York, 29-22. Obviously, those are two teams where either could have won that one. Uh, I'm, I'm spacing on some of the particulars of what happened that made it go one way versus the other. But then you had, you know, them taking on Guelph in a 26-20 game that was obviously a lot closer. And we talked about the Matt Nesbitt factor in terms of him n- knowing Guelph. Uh, the win against Toronto, obviously getting blown up by Western. And then this game here at Laurier. So I, I think I'm fairly confident this team is at that stage where next year, Maybe not a playoff team, but definitely – well, possibly. Who knows? I, I, I definitely see them getting three wins next year. Like, I definitely yeah. see them being better than York and Toronto next year as of right now. Some of those, like, 50-50 games could, could easily go their way next year. Yeah, sorry. When I say – I shouldn't have said – I definitely see them being better than York and Toronto. So, that's that's two wins. Two wins is the math that's done there. But yeah. um, I definitely see them getting those. And then, yeah, you know, perhaps they get – a nice long road trip coming to them and someone someone is sort of off their game they get another win who knows i mean i could see good things happening for this team york sort of had that miraculous well i don't know if miraculous is the term but they had the upset win against waterloo to get to three wins so i could definitely see windsor being that team next year because they've shown a ton of improvement every week and and uh they're they're an interesting team to watch especially if they don't lose a ton of players which i don't think they do Probably Drew Desjardins, but then for their offensive line, I think their right tackle will be gone too. Other than that, I mean, eh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they keep a lot of guys because if they do, they will have a interesting team to watch for sure. Absolutely. Um, and moving forward to next week for these two ball clubs, uh, Windsor is going to be at home wrapping up their season with McMaster. You know, a, a, another opportunity to play spoiler in uh, what could be just an absolutely devastating loss for Mac if things don't go their way. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, would, that would be, that would be um, wow, outrageously bad for Mac. <laughs> and, uh, Not because Windsor is terrible, but just because I think if we, we look at the playoff scenarios, there's there's no scenario, I think, by which Mac finishes 5-3 and three yeah. and doesn't make the playoffs just based on the number of tiebreakers they have over right. Good school, so. But at four and four, it's ugly. It's tough. Well, there's don't uh, know if they make it at four. Actually, I think they do make it at four and four, unless there are some really baddie baddie things happening. So we'll 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 get to that later. We'll though. get to that later. Um, and then for Laurier, they're heading to London for Western's homecoming, a week nine homecoming. Like, oh yeah, the uh, what's this about? The 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 president of Western didn't love the fact that every homecoming at Western is just the most you know, incredible rager to ever be seen. You know, you get 20,000 kids out on that one street and on Brofdale and it's just madness. And there are so many arrests and so much destruction of property because <laughs> kids at Western are, are idiots. I mean, what can I say? I went there. Like, I was an idiot too. Everyone's kind of stupid there. So, <laughs> um, you know, when it, when it comes to partying very specifically, there, there's a, there's an implied sort of context to me saying that because obviously there's some great kids, smart kids there at Western. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the kids at Western didn't respond kindly to uh, Amit Chakma moving homecoming to the last week. So they decided they would make their own fake homecoming where they did the exact same thing. Uh, so 
what, what Chalkman ended up doing, in essence, was making two homecomings. The rationale was if you make homecoming later in the year, you know, closer to midterms, kids are going to be, yeah. you know, in the library and it's going to be colder. So they're not going to want to come out as much. Either that or uh, they're going to end up saying, screw the midterms. We're still going to go to homecoming and yeah. just get rowdy, in which case for the administration, you shot yourself in the foot. They, they very much shot themselves in the foot. They, they doubled the homecoming madness. <laughs> It sort of it reminds me of that Donald Trump meme where he's like, "Sounds good, doesn't work," you know. It's like, "Sorry, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna make Western kids not party." Like, like, what? So, so yeah, I'm heading to Western for homecoming. Oh, yeah, I will be up at Western. You can find Eddie in the beer tent you at uh, twelve o'clock sharp for the one o'clock kickoff. That's I'm sure. it. That's something it. along those lines. I will be well lubricated. <laughs> so uh, that's it. Once again, final score: Laurier thirty-nine, Windsor twenty-four. Let's move on to the next one: Carlton visiting York. Final score in this one: Carlton thirty-five, York twenty. Once again, this was the second of the Friday games, and uh, a game that we kind of talked about being a, th- you know, th- this had the makings of an upset insofar as. You know, York had already taken down Waterloo. We kind of played that game of, well, Carlton was only so much better than Waterloo. Yeah. And, of course... We did the math. We we did the, yeah, the uh, the BS sports math on it. But also just the, the fact that for York, they had a legitimate shot making the playoffs. Of course, they had to have won this game. Um, but it didn't work out so hot for them. Uh, didn't work out hot. Didn't. No. <laughs> no, no. No, and you know what? It was kind of one of those things where this was, again, this was York's chance at the playoffs. They were playing well. They looked like they had a chance. And you know what? If you're looking at the stats of the game, you would say, yeah, they did have a chance because they actually did a pretty decent job in terms of generating offense. I mean, Brett Hunchak had 347 yards passing, and uh, 116 of those were to Colton, as you'd sort of expect. I mean, Mm -hmm. Colton's going to, you know, he's going to get a ton of passes. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be out wide. He was everywhere in this game, and... Again, like York's receivers are good. They played a nice game. Yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised by how effectively they passed on Carlton. That doesn't really bode well for Carlton now with having that Laurier game where Carousello lit them up and now this game. And of course, the, the Panda game. And where, the Panda game. Yeah. That was, you know, again, their offense turned the ball over a ton. So true, their defense true. had. Um, you know, short field sometimes, and then just I mean, even when they didn't have short yeah. field because some of the turnovers were not short field inducing. It was just a matter of how many possessions can the other offense have. They're taking shots, but I, I mean, Carlton sort of their defense has really been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Specifically, their back end. Their front end is okay. Their front half is good. But you know, even though you mentioned that them pl- giving up this much offense without the turnovers is a little bit uh, concern uh, concerning. It, it's good to see Aruda have a game where he's finishing, you know, 14 to 22, 193 yards, three TDs, no picks. Cause we had seen now back to back games, the Ottawa game, the Laurier game where he had multiple picks after a streak of, I guess four, three, four games. I'm failing to do the math where he had no turnovers from that opening game against Western. So good to see him get back to his way of protecting the ball. Um, but, but still uh, managing to be efficient. Um, going back to York, though, an- another thing that we've started to see is a bit of a trend there. You know, we know this team has the capabilities to pass the ball in the air um, just with the Hunchaks alone. But Caden Johnson in the backfield um, as an option uh, running the ball for them, 14 attempts, 64 yards, and one touchdown. Nothing that's going to blow you away. But, you know, if we were to go back to the beginning of the season, 
this team lived and died passing the ball and predominantly offensively. That's still, you know, their, you know, what they, how they, how they live by, but they're able to work this in a little bit more. Similarly, how we've seen Windsor over the season progressed, work in a run game a little bit more too. Yeah. I mean, and in Windsor's case, it was offensive linemen coming back from injury as well as, you know, them getting chemistry together, working together. In York's case, I mean, again, run games take more time than passing games. Everyone, I, I maybe I'm wrong. I think everyone knows that. I think that's sort of understood. Uh, there's just a lot of chemistry that has to be built, and offensive lines are are complicated, and there's so many things that a defensive front can do, right? There are only really so many coverages defenses can play. Yeah, there are a lot of things defensive fronts can do. Sure. So, I definitely think um, York has improved on offense, but. Unfortunately, not enough to overcome Carlton, who, uh, you know, they're just very efficient on the day. I mean, if it's it's funny. Another another game where Carlton is under 50 offensive plays at 47 and uh, only 310 yards of total offense. Yeah. Well, you look at the, you know, even you look at first downs. York's got 27 to Carlton's 18. But, um, you know, and, but one thing that is still concerning for me with Carlton is that this whole year, it's been a toss-up. Them and Ottawa seemingly flipping back and forth on who gets the most penalties, um, who has the most penalties per game, and Carlton with 15 penalties for 120 yards, which is just something we haven't seen them with any consistency be able to write. And they have the they have the the week nine bye, which I mean, penalties are such a strange kind of aspect of the game in terms of how do you how do you really prevent penalties as a team like that like it, it's it's a weird space coaches yeah. coaches for decades have been trying to figure that out when we talk about the game of football i mean there were technical penalties and then there were discipline penalties yeah. right i mean the technical penalties are things like um you know holding and hands to the face and uh you know pass interference to some degree is you know is a combo of both technical and discipline but it's a it's a weird problem that they just yeah. can't seem to fix. It's, it's upsetting. Like it's just, it really does. Like that'll cost them games. And, and so you know, Carlton, in my opinion, is sort of limping into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely have the advantage of. I'll have to. We'll we'll obviously review those playoff scenarios, but I'm almost certain they're going to be hosting a first round playoff game, um, which you know we've talked all year, and that's something that any OUA watcher knows. Having the game in Ottawa is a massive advantage in terms of having to make that trip. Um, But, you know, we talked about the passing game for Carlton, obviously the turnovers, um, those being some issues, or I guess the passing game is not quite an issue. But Nathan Carter um, picked up his game after a bit of a quieter game against Laurier last week. 21 attempts, 128, uh, one touchdown, a long of 25. didn't factor in in the passing game, but we have seen him be a, a complete weapon in screen game, running wheel routes, just leaking out of the backfield. So good to see him, uh, you know, getting back into stride after you know what was a bit of a bit of a letdown in in that Laurier in that Laurier game a, a week ago. Um, and then you know another consistency for this Carlton team that you know showed out is the defense. Um, you know, names that. Don't surprise anyone. Yeah, Jack Casser is yeah. really putting together like an, a very, very productive season. And it's going to be difficult to leave him off the OUA All-Star um, you know, sheet because there, there are a lot of great linebackers. But yeah. he, had, he was just like living in the backfield this game. He had five 
tackles for a loss, one and a half of that being a sack. I mean, but five, that means three and a half additional tackles for loss in the backfield. Like, that is unusual. That is really, really impressive. And he's really doing a nice job playing downhill. He's he's a a very interesting linebacker to watch because he's big and he's reading stuff. He's not as hyper-aggressive as you sort of would expect a big backer to be. You can tell he really is seeing the whole field, understanding the game, and, and you know just playing with a lot of anticipation too. Mm-hmm. And then of course Kenya Onyeka having himself another good day as well, uh, two yeah. sacks, and well, there's a reason he won. <laughs> he, he was the OUA's nominee for the uh, the best lineman award last year. Uh, the uh, the Metris, he he's incredible. He's very very good. His hand play is outstanding, and uh, he was one of two elite defensive ends of this game. Both him and um, we're going to have to mention Rossini Sanjong Jabom again for York. If you get a chance to watch this guy, if you get a chance to watch York, say, next week against U of T, or you get a chance to go back and watch the film of York this season, watch number eight, Rossini. He is insanely fast. Like He's definitely the quickest defensive end in the league. Mm. Kenny Onyeka, you might say, has the best hand play. Robbie Smith has a great get-off and good hand play. Rossini Sanjong is so fast, he just ruins the backside of run plays every time. Yeah. It's nuts. He's he's he'll probably go to the combine and run like a four six flat. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like yeah. He's he's just crazy off the ball, and he's so long. So very very talented player, putting his talent to use. You know, last year you saw him chasing stuff down from the backside uh, of of plays as as a defensive end and. That netted him a ton of tackles for a loss. I think he led the league last year in tackles for a loss just based off of running stuff down from behind. This year, he's really become a more complete defensive end, and it, he's, he's thrilling to watch. So hats off to York. Uh, their defensive line coach, former teammate of mine, Stefano Conte, you know, he's, he's done a great job with the defensive line there, specifically Rossini, who obviously has all this, the tools in the world. So that's something to watch with York, and, and again, very impressive. Yeah, um, a lot, a lot of, lot of promising things with this York team, and you know there was a moment in this game where I think it was something like Carlton twenty, York seventeen in, in the third quarter. I mean, York kind of just kept chipping away. Like Carlton came out the uh, out the jump, putting up an eighteen zip uh, number in the first quarter. But to York's credit, and you know obviously as we talked about having that knowledge that. They could still make a playoff, uh, make the playoffs with this win. They just they had a sort of never say die attitude. It seemed like whether just you know taking safeties, taking field goals, just adding everything up to a point where they like they were in this game in the third quarter. And there are things that you know play against them. And I don't know if you'd call it luck. And again, you make your own luck. It's not luck, but you don't see this every game where you have uh, like a ninety yard field goal miss field goal return, which. Uh, Chad Menchelenko did yeah. against. He's a weapon. <laughs> Anytime he's, he can he's, stop ball he's a head. weapon, and yeah. uh, and he and he had that long return, and that set up a touchdown, like on the next play or yeah, a couple yeah. plays later. I forget what it was, but like long story short, that's the kind of that that really amounted to being a ten point swing play. Not because he didn't score on that play, but it set up the, the right, touchdown. Yeah. Would have been a field goal. Who knows? And that late, it's just a, it was just it's just a back breaking play to happen. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's such a big swing. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. Carlton taking the W, and they go into Week Nine with the bye, seeing who will come to visit them for the first round of playoffs, or where they'll go. So that still is a possibility. Yeah, yeah absolutely, okay. it is. Because think about the number of teams that are at five and three, or could be at five and three after next week. So yeah, you know, Mac Mac could True. be at five and three. 
obviously they didn't play Carlton this year, so you know. Similar with Guelph, I think could be five and three without playing Carlton. Yeah, yeah, they could be yeah. theoretically if they beat if they beat Waterloo. Waterloo yeah. Um, who else? I mean, Ottawa could, in theory, be five and three. They would still have the panda. They advantage, would still yeah. be holding on, but the panda advantage. But they could be five and three if they lose to Queens. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's save some of this conversation for later yeah, of on because we'll, we'll of dive course. more into it. It's the, it's a rabbit hole. You go down that, <laughs> yeah. you um, end up chasing your own tail. Yeah. But then, as you had mentioned, York finishing their season off with the what do they call it? The red and the red and white, the red and blue game. Red and blue. Red and blue. That would make sense, I guess. Those the Battle two, of Toronto. The two primary colors. Yeah. Yeah. Battle of Toronto. And I'm sure for I mean York's better than Toronto. To, Are uh, we gonna go to that? Do you want? Uh, eh? Maybe. We'll we'll see. No, probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, both teams <laughs> are done. So. I gotta see my boy Luchasano light it up. Um, the Luch. The Luch. Uh, El Luchador. Um. But you know, for York, obviously they're they're they are better than Toronto, and I'm sure they would just love to hand Toronto the zero and eight season. That's just yeah, I'd imagine that's how things work uh, over there for York. I mean, I guess that's something to play for. Yeah. Um. So that's that one. Let's move over to the Saturday games, and uh, oof. we'll start with Western and Ottawa. So final score in this one: the Mustangs thirty-three, the GG zero. This game was in Ottawa. It was a very windy day. And if if you t- if I asked you before the game, what do you think is more likely that this will be a, a shootout or a shutout? What would you have said? Shootout. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it was not. You know what? It was a shutout. There was a there. You would have been wrong, <laughs> and so would most people because again, like who would have expected Ottawa's offense has been rolling, but yeah. the wind apparently was. A massive, uh, a massive factor. Western went into this game. I heard with the intention of just pounding the ball. I don't know if that necessarily. Oh, really? Like, I mean, I think in the same way that Western goes into every single game with the intention of pounding the ball, mm-hmm. and then the wind dictated that they would pass even less. I mean, this game obviously for West, you know, Western handled the conditions of this game beautifully, and by conditions, I don't just mean the weather, which obviously is going to force more teams into running the ball than passing when it's that windy, but also conditions being that you're playing the best pass-defending team in Ottawa with a, a you know, a, 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 a interior defense that we've seen improve, we've seen be able to shut down run games at time, but is definitely not a top-tier run-stopping defense. And then you have this Western running juggernaut <clears throat> and they just had all the makings of, like you said, them coming in this game and pounding the rock. Look at Chris Merchant's game, seven for 12, 126 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And it's just like, well, they just they, seven for 12, right? They, He's a great quarterback. He threw it 12 times. They could have had, they could have had, you know, Marshall himself in there, just hand the ball off. Like they just didn't need to pass in this one. Yeah, they didn't. And the interception, just in case you're wondering, Ooh. Really, really nice play on the ball by uh, Thomas Carrier, the Sam. He's sort of a – they have him listed on their roster as a safety. You can see he's kind of he's kind of smaller for a Sam. He's not small. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he's he's a very good player, honestly. He made a lot of nice plays in the run game. He has a, a very nice face punch technique I saw <laughs> that I liked a lot. Yeah. Uh, big props on that one. But, you know, that pick was dope, and I kind of – It was it was really nice. It was a little bit underthrown for Merch. You can't tell if that's a win thing or if that's just him kind of slightly mm. underthrowing. He was uh, intending it for Cole Majoro, so it was a corner route out of the slot. Yeah. And the Sam was in man coverage. Because it was slightly underthrown, the Sam got a chance to catch up, and then he made the diving interception. That was a beautiful play on his part. Yeah. I mean – I, f- I feel like that was the the moment like 
like you said, they came in wanting to pound the rock. The conditions were set up for them to run the ball. But I think that was like the sort of moment where they're like, all right, you know what? Like enough dilly dallying. Let's just start running it. Cause yeah, they were, they were tired of dillying and dallying. Yeah. Those aren't things that Western yeah. likes to do. And you know what? Like this game was such a damn tease for me. Cause end of the first quarter, Western two, Ottawa, nothing. I'm just sitting there being like, all right, Ottawa, let's get it in gear. Bittner, let's start, let's start slinging it. Anything can happen. Oh, Anything can happen. Any given Sunday or Saturday or you know, Friday at 11 a.m. Whenever. The OUA, whenever it <laughs> might be. And then in the second quarter, going into halftime, 12 nothing. I'm thinking, all right, you know, you know, rejig the offense, figure out how you're going to – I don't. I was about to use the word exploit a, a, a hole in Western's run defense, but I don't think there exists such a thing. Which, which hole is that? It, which one? Uh I, yeah, exactly. Um, much me- much brighter minds than myself have tried to find one and have failed at doing so. So I'm going to go ahead and say there probably isn't one. And then just from there, it just got worse and worse. Yeah, well, so – and then Alex Taylor took over. So Cedric Joseph yes. last game set the OUA record for rushing yards in a game with 355. Alex Taylor didn't play at all in that game. I think he was a little banged up. Uh, otherwise, he would have been playing. Mm-hmm. And – you might, you know, might be thinking, hey, like maybe Alex Taylor is going to have a quiet season. Well, he said, no, I'm going to make some noise. And yeah. he did. He oh, had yeah. In the second quarter. So Weston was sort of chipping away with the run game and, and, uh, and doing some nice stuff. In the second quarter, AT, uh, early in the second quarter, mind you, AT had an 88-yard run. AT, Alex Taylor, just in case you're not a Western man and don't know that. <laughs> Uh, Western man. I, yeah, I like the. I, I caught the little Toronto accent yeah, on the yeah, man yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Western man's. Yeah, fam. <laughs> it's, a, it's a release thing. No, um, very like very lost in that in that Toronto man's accent. Anyways, <laughs> Alex Taylor uh, banged out an 88 yard run early on. Uh, it was gorgeous. He made people miss. He made people miss all over the place all day long. Yeah, I'm I'm checking my notes because I remember the biggest takeaway for me on that one. I think it was Luke Grease who he got. But he stiff armed someone on it. I think it was Grease, but it was it he was got Grease it was, pretty bad on his second long run. Yeah, it was a sunning for sure. It was sit down and watch me take this one to the house. Yeah, he had there. He had one uh, later long run where he uh, he cut and he made two Ottawa defenders just smack oh, into God. each other, and then made Grease miss. You know, just ruined his pursuit angles. Yeah, I mean Alex Taylor's a different beast, right? He's uh, he's 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 a very special running back. There's a reason he's the Western all-time leading rusher now. So, just in case, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, and that puts him, I think, fifth all-time. That blows my mind. In the OUA, like I, I know that I, I and not and not even close to number one. Like <laughs> he would have to come back for another season and, and have like 1,600 yards yeah, to be like, number one. There has undoubtedly been just. You know, there's been tons of amazing running backs come through the OUA. Uh, number one that comes to mind has to be Jesse Lumsden. Um, you know, even Daryl Stevenson. Oh, uh, who? Um, yeah. yeah, the the number one all time leading rusher in the OUA, Daryl Stevenson from Windsor. Windsor get wait. So then Curly's record was over a Windsor player as well. So Windsor, I guess. Okay, they got a little. They got a little legacy going. The Lancers yeah, they got some juice. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's. You know, anyways, Andre Durr, another name of like a guy that just a, a star in this league, and it just surprises me to think that Western, the top Western rusher, only accounts for number five. You would, 
Like that's nothing to shake your head at, but you well, thought it's, it's because higher. it's because we have like a hundred of them every year. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah, be jealous. Yeah. Um, I'm a little, yeah, <laughs> yeah, more than a little. Um, <laughs> on the on the opposite side uh, of things, we talk about the run game. You know, Dawson O'Day, who's been just impressing, impressing myself. I know you've been a fan, and I can only imagine OU watchers have just been loving what this guy's done all year. Um, finished 21 attempts for 81 yards on the ground, no TDs. I, I, you know, yeah, we gotta go. Listen, Western knew they wanted to run the ball. Yeah, Ottawa wasn't passing all that effectively. The wind no. was a problem, so Western was committed to the run game. Guess what? Western's gonna shut down Ottawa's run game. Yeah, and, and you know, not not a not a great game. Uh, I'd be interested to put it up against some other running games from other backs this year against Western because it might actually be up there for one of the better ones. I yeah. can't think of one off the top of my yeah. head. 82 yards on 21 carries. Really what this amounts to is like three good carries of like, you know, 13 to 18 yards. And then, and then, then a fourth yards. like And a fourth like six or seven yarder. And yeah. then like, yeah. Just dirty yards. Just a couple here yeah. and there, right? I mean, it, it's tough sledding against Western. Yeah, exactly. And you know. We'll, and no Vieira, we're hoping we're going to see him back in the playoffs. Yeah. But obviously he, he adds an element to their offense that, on a day when you can't pass, mm. having another runner who's True. capable, yeah. that could have been something you know important for them. You know, it's, it would have been interesting even if they could – I mean, Beaver's obviously a guy who's so dangerous getting the ball in his hands because of his speed. Well, and he almost ruined the shutout, but go on. Yeah, well, I mean, just – you know, Vieira's obviously the most sensible guy when you think of ways to get creative with your offense. And, you know, the GGs love getting creative with the offense. It would have been cool to see them try and work in Beaver just – get the ball in his hands, and see if he can make something happen. Well, so, okay, so towards the end of the first half, Kalen Beaver got a punt that he returned. Uh, how long was it? It was it was a long return. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it got it down to Western's 20. I think it was 54, uh, something like that. Yeah, 54 yards. There Let's you go. go ahead and say 55. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah, it's like... It's that's a reference to another podcast that we talk about. That's a reference to a song, and anyways, ultimately a reference to our own podcast. Ultimately, it's bit. very, very meta. Uh, we're 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 deep. So Caleb had that long punt return and set up Ottawa in you know in at Western's twenty yard line. So you're thinking, okay, before the half, well, try to get a touchdown. Worst yeah. case scenario, you have a field goal, and obviously at that point in time, no one's thinking about a shutout or yeah. you know. I mean, maybe Western was thinking about it. I don't know. That would be a little presumptuous. But I'm hearing a butt come. Oh, there it was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on the first play that Ottawa had in Western's red zone, mm-hmm. uh, Western sent a blitz with Chris Ellis, who's, you know, one of their linebackers. He's playing, you know, kind of Sam, but they're, you know, Western is, they're kind of fluid in who's playing Mike, Will, Sam, and then sometimes they'll have four backers on the field. So, you know, Mike, Jack, Will, Sam. Uh, and they sent him on a blitz, and this kid is fast. Oh yeah, like that is his that is his best trait. He is very very fast. Uh, definitely their fastest backer, and that's no shot at the other guys. And he comes on the blitz, and uh, forces a fumble, which Phil Dion recovers. So, you know, disaster in retrospect, disaster yeah. avoided. That was the play that sort of preserved the shutout for Western. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was a great play by him and a nice call by uh, by Gleese, the defensive coordinator for Western. Yeah. So uh, you know, hats off to them there for preserving that. They also did a nice job of uh, you know Western had a fumble at one point where um, yeah, was it Taylor? I, I, I think Kevin John was in the game at that point. Taylor had a fumble, so that's another one. 
Oh, they fo- oh, so so getting to another. getting oh. to this Got game. The, you know, this game, the score tells you the Western dominated Ottawa in a full game kind of fashion. It could have been worse offensively. Alex Taylor had another. I want to say it was a forty-yard run, thirty-yard run, um, that would have taken Western down to Ottawa's like four-yard line, five-yard line. Right. Uh, but a fumble forced by Abed Hamidi, who is one of their linebackers. I believe he's their Mike. Yeah, he's their Mike. And he, uh, you know, an amazing effort play on his part. He came on a blitz into uh, one of the A-gaps. And this, you know, Ottawa was sending pressure because they realized Western wanted to run the ball. They figured that one out. Uh, they, they cracked the code there. <laughs> and so he blitzed, uh, was on a guy, disengaged, and then ran downfield, you know, just... Running to the ball. Well, Alex Taylor had to cut to make someone miss. Just as he was changing his ball-carrying hand, so he was just switching the ball over from his left hand to his right hand. At that split second, Hamidi comes mm. and strips it. So, you know, a brilliant play and a scooch of luck because obviously, you know, it's a good move to to get your to, to switch your ball hand away from where you expect contact to be coming. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's just smart. You can stiff arm. You're less likely to be stripped at that moment in time. It was the wrong move, and Tamini made him pay. So that you know that took seven off the board for Western. There was also, uh, I believe, a missed field goal by Legio. He doesn't miss a ton of field goals, or no. hasn't, but he's he's had some misses this year in the the second half of the season. He's had a few. Yeah. And so there was three points. I mean, you know, you can always make excuses, but I would say there there were there were more points also the Western kind of left on the sure. board. So. And then, of course, every team's going to say, well, if we just didn't do this, we would have more points. Yeah. And, but uh, they're very concrete 10 points right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess you look at this game and you think, well, not what could have been, but this isn't even really telling you the full story. Yeah. Now, if the wind conditions were much lighter, then you'd have a more sort of accurate appraisal of how the passing games matched up sure. against one another. But on the day, Western did a great job of shutting down Mac. Sorry, Mac. Another maroon-wearing team, or Garnet, or whatever the hell. Uh, they did a very nice job of shutting down Ottawa's passing game. Yeah. So Mac, Mac Ferguson, Western's field corner, have to give him a shout-out. He had a super long interception return. It was a slightly underthrown ball. Nice play on the ball by Fergie. And he returned it, I want to say, 70 yards. And it must have been so frustrating because he was so close to bringing it in uh, for the pick six. Fergie, ah, so close. <laughs> oh man! And uh, and then Rob Panabaker, another you know that's a younger Western defensive back who was in in the uh, at the very end of the game had the other interception off of uh, off of Bittner. Hey, uh, I hate it. Sounds wrong. It should be Buter. <laughs> and uh, Panabaker, like it was like very last play of the game. Bittner aired it up, and uh, Panda Baker made a really yeah. nice play on the ball. That's you know that's one of Western's first year defensive backs. It really, I think they're only first year defensive back doing anything. Um, both first year starting and first year at Western, there are some other first year starters. But uh, nice play on the ball, irrelevant really at that point in the game. The game was way way over. But sure. in terms of preserving the shutout and you know inflating those stats, you know go get a guy, go you get it. it. So. Overall, you know, it was one of those days. Alex Alex Taylor was incredible. Mm. Western's offensive line played a very nice game. Western's offensive line, uh, they played the whole game, I think, now with Dave Brown at right guard. So Dave Brown, as you'll remember, no one really cares about offensive line except us. 
He played left tackle for them uh, when healthy last year. Uh, the year before, he was a bit of a swing guy. But he, he's a tackle. He's best suited to play tackle. Uh, but Western has some good young tackles, and they wanted to put him in a guard. Well, one's young. The right tackle, Zach Fry. And then the left tackle now is Dylan Giffen, who's been the right tackle. They put Dave Brown at right guard. He did a very nice job for them there. You know, they're still breaking in Spencer Hood, who's a converted defensive lineman at right guard. So, you know, it's always going to be a little shaky when you convert defensive tackles to offensive line. And offensive line's tricky. It takes time. Great physical talent, but he's not quite there yet. They put Dave Brown at right guard. It looks better. The offensive line looks better. And they, they played a great game. Everyone seems to be playing their best uh, football. Greg Bouchard, left guard, doing great stuff for them. He had a great right hook that opened up a huge hole uh, at one point. That was uh, a big run play. So got to give those hogs some uh, some love. They're doing good stuff. Antonio Valvano, another good game from him. He had a touchdown pass, actually, from Merchant. It was just a, kind of a flat. Uh, you know, he was just running to the flat and was open because – Apparently, Ottawa didn't want to cover the fullback. So, But talking about O-line love, I know there's some guys on this GG O-line that you're pretty big on. Right? Yeah, the, the tackles specifically. So, uh, freshman offensive linemen. If freshman offensive linemen impress you, you know they're going to be really, really good. Mm. Zach Fry on Western is one of them. He's going to be outstanding. Got a, you know, a bit of a ways to go physically, but very athletic and big. And then on Ottawa, their left tackle, Zachary Playhouse, I think we mentioned it earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's a special one. He's, he's, he's kind of like Fry in that he's probably 6'6". He looks the part already, but he's you can tell he's strong and he's super violent and aggressive, and I love that. He's still, I mean, he's, you know, he's a freshman. Like, freshmen don't have great technique. He still has a way to go. He still is leaning. Yeah. But he's athletic enough to play, and, he, and you can tell he just intuitively understands the position. So that's a beautiful thing to watch. Mm. I'm going to be keeping my eye on him down the road. Absolutely, he's going to be a star in this conference. And then the other tackle on Ottawa is a very veteran guy, Thomas Rollins. Very effective. I don't know if he's an all-star, but he is a very good player. You know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, there are guys who aren't going to be all-stars who are sort of they're of that tier, that caliber, so he's kind of one of those guys to me. Yeah. Um, to, so I guess to, to my, my last words on this one to wrap it up, um, for Ottawa, a couple silver linings to take away from it. You know, you mentioned that, you know, they, they didn't have um, spacing. Wow. Vieira. Vieira, Vieira pardon yeah. me. Yeah, Bryce Vieira. They didn't have Bryce Vieira. What, how, how's that going to play in when he comes back? You know, the wind obviously a factor for them. But a big one, and I mentioned this one in talking about the Carlton York game, I almost don't believe this looking at the box score. I didn't necessarily take note of this while watching, but it shows here they only had two penalties for five yards. And, you know, as I mentioned, that, that it's been them and Carlton at the top of the penalty leaders all game long, uh, or pardon me, all season long in the OE way. So, you know, we mentioned that it's it's hard to understand how those things get under control, but whether this was just a one-off or a sign of things to come Hopefully for Ottawa, it's a sign of things to come that they've been able to figure out whatever it was that was plaguing them, causing them to have so many penalties throughout the season because yeah. that's... I don't remember yeah. seeing many penalties on the day. Obviously, they showed yeah. here Western had seven for 70. That's, you know, like a totally reasonable number, kind of what you expect yeah. almost. Two for five is almost like on the flip side of giving up a 15 penalty day where it's like... Yeah, two for five is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then something else I wanted to make note of is just the, the OUA with the new rule on... 
uh, the running clock, how often the clock is running. You know, Western, they ran 52 offensive plays. That must be a record low for them. And 63 on Ottawa's side. And that would be. Like, I remember vividly being in games with north of 100 offensive plays at Western. Yeah. So, and and we were running the ball. You know, it's not like this is a new thing that Western's doing now. We were running the ball roughly that much. So, that's, I mean, I frankly, I like it because I just, in terms of taking reps off of, you know, these kids' bodies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. And um, special shout-out to, uh, yeah, the Western defense on the shutout. Incredible job everywhere. Every single unit played great, as you'd sort of expect. Ottawa can pass the ball. Even in subprime conditions, they can do some things. Yeah, so Western still had to make the trip. Very nice the, very yeah. nice job by the defensive backs. The pass rush for uh, Western was relentless. Uh, Andrew Thurston had another nice day. He had a sack and a half and another sort of half tackle for a loss to go with that. Mitchell Stadnick was a problem. Deontay Knight was a problem. Uh, Jimmy Hawley was a problem. So congratulations to Western. Obviously, they're, they're linebackers. It goes without saying. Fraser Sopic was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Mike Moore uh, played a great game, and, and so did Phil Dion. So, uh, you know, everyone. And Chris Ellis had the, the blitz strip sack yeah. that, that saved the shutout. So everybody played great. It was, And, again, that's not just me being a homer. They had a shutout against – the second best offense in the conference. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah sure. So at home, at, yeah, yeah, at their home. Yeah, uh, in a game that determines, you know, the number one seed in the conference. Yeah. So well, hopefully we get to see these two teams match up again, um, uh, and we probably will. We probably will. Yeah, probably or definitely in London next time. Well, if, if they're happens, matched up again, it's, it's going to be a TD. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Western will look to secure the perfect season, the back-to-back perfect season, or. Th- is it is it three p? No, it's only the back to back now. <laughs> back to back, sadly, back- sadly not back to back. Oh, poor Mustangs! Only two back to back. And you know what's also seasons? funny is the um my uh, my offensive line coach for my last year at Western, J.P. Cercelli, incredible offensive line coach and a great man, uh, is also the London Junior Mustangs varsity head coach and has gone undefeated two straight seasons and won. The uh, I guess it's not called the OVFL anymore. It's like the OPFL. Yeah, that like super league or whatever. Yeah, the, that yeah, new yeah. league. He's won that now two years in a row in undefeated seasons. So he's going for you know the fourth consecutive undefeated championship season in two years. So uh, that I mean that's insane. And he's not the only uh, Western coach who coaches there. You also have Joe Cercelli, the now defensive line coach, my former left guard at Western. Now the defensive line coach and recruiting coordinator at Western, uh, and JP's younger brother. Mm. JP played at Mac, but you know we allow it. Uh, but but Joe played at Western, so good, you know, purple blood. Well, as, as much as I'm, I'm loving this little London football kumbaya. Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna move off of it. Hey, man, <laughs> don't hate the players. You the celebrate. Game. You celebrate the best the conference has to offer right now. That's in London, Ontario. If you got a problem with it, deal with it. Uh, well. Fortunately, I can't do much to deal with it other than just, no. I don't know, hope for the best. Um, maybe yes. get yourself into a coma for mm. the next five years, maybe. Maybe. It seems like it could be that long. Um, but, yeah, so for their homecoming against Laurier next week, looking to secure the uh, undefeated season. And then Ottawa traveling to Kingston to bounce back as, you know, they move towards the playoffs to take on Queens in a game with uh, huge implications. Uh, I don't think for Ottawa, I think they've pretty much secured their position. But for Queens, definitely – We'll get into all that uh, down the road. So let's move into our next game, Guelph U of T. 
All right, Zach, you're going to have to take this game away because I did not watch it. I didn't think it would be a very good game. I heard last minute that Connor Ennis would be out for the year uh, with an injury and that uh, Luchazano, who, of course, you know, we love, but yeah, uh, we <laughs> don't expect enormous things from, would be the starter, and we were proven correct. Yeah, you know, th- this was a game that, like, Guelph, should should do what they did in this game and, and well they has did. everything to play for uft has nothing to play and for. and they're just vastly better than the blues but it always just feels like when you when these games come up you're always just kind of holding your breath until the game's over like all right well just just win it yeah, be done with Guelph it this year but they you know they had fun with it you know the the run game w- was clicking you know Jawan jeffries for a couple weeks now seemingly been the go-to um jp sim and kinda had himself a nice game both backs combined for um a total of somewhere around two, uh 240 yards uh jeffrey 17 carries for 125 sim and kinda 13 for 119 um and the offensive line was just doing what we've been seeing them do all year long sometimes there's been some spurts but they were just they were in control and that's it we we shouldn't forget what we've seen from UFT defensively this year. You know, it's this isn't to say, you know, final score. I should say final score in this one is Guelph forty six, UFT eight. Um, six of those Guelph points coming on a punt return touchdown from uh, rookie Keandre Smith. I think it was like a tipped punt, and then it ended up being short. But he ended up making a nice couple moves on his way taking it to the house. Um, but as I was kind of alluding to, you know, save for obviously. Uh, some field goals and that uh, touchdown on on the return. You know this U of T team. It's it, this isn't like putting up forty six on Western. This isn't putting up forty six on you know Ottawa. Okay, Mac- thanks for the clarification. In case you were in <laughs> case you were wondering, but you know there have been things we've seen from U of T. U of um, T is not Western or Ottawa. In case yeah, if that was not clear for clarity's sake. Um, but you know. I, I was but hoping still, to see a good. This is, this is not a defense that that you necessarily disrespect. Yeah, either. you don't write like, it this off. This is this is not a bad defense. So no. the fact that Guelph did this against a decent defense, this is a defense that had been able to stop people on the ground this year. Mm-hmm. You look what they did to Mac. They effectively shut down Mac's run game. You look what they did to Carlton. Carlton they yeah. slowed that one down too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to be to be honest, I am impressed that Guelph is kind of getting it together, even though it is. Excuse me, it is U of T. Yeah. Um, and, and, and specifically when we talk about their ability to um, – UFT's ability, that is, to slow down the run and, and get after the quarterback, it is that defensive line. It's, it's Malcolm Campbell, Carter Gladman, and, and the likes of them. Mekhi Henry, yeah. Mekhi Henry, yeah. Who, um, those, those three guys in, you know, specifically. And they have a first-year kid who also is not doing – you know, he's, he's doing pretty well himself. So, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely, you know, lots to build on for U of T and quarterback health. Yeah, it's you know it's almost impressive that Luchazano had 260 yards passing. Again, I hate I hate this, but with that offensive line, you know, and no run game support, right? Again, yeah. like, oh, it's not a shot at the individuals on the offensive line. They're young, or well, I mean, there there are young ones, and an offensive line is only as strong as its worst player. But it, it it just it serves to say like if you're throwing for 260 yards against Guelph. And you don't have any run game to speak of, and your protection's not great. That's actually not bad. So yeah. it kind of it, it sort of is a credit to to their offensive coordinator mm. Surya, who you know is is putting in their passing game there because they've got decent passing productivity from all three of their guys who've had to play now this year. Yeah, 
even, and it, even with the inherent limitations. And three different guys they've been putting in at quarterback due to injuries, but you know the usual suspects on the receiving end doing damage. Yeah. Uh, this game, uh, Dia Daddy leading it for them with 97 yards, and then uh, close behind, Will Corby with 76 and, and a touchdown. And a name I haven't seen, Grant LeGood. Yeah, that's who one. Who had LeGood game. Ew. That's really bad. But we're, yeah, you got to do it. You got to. You can't team me up like that. Uh, good. And, you know, we talked about the wind playing factor in some of these other games. You know, that wasn't just a, a, a sole occurrence in Ottawa or in Toronto in that York game. There was some wind happening in this one, too. And it was a windy day in Ontario. It was a damn windy All day. All over the place. 100%. So, once again, to Luchisano's credit, you know, one touchdown to two picks. Um, but being productive, and you could see on a couple of Theo's touchdowns he had, one in particular, um, I guess real quick, Theo finished 15 for 21, 182 yards, two touchdowns. Kind of like, that's kind maybe a little bit more than a typical Theo game, but the kind of... Uh, Listen, it's efficient. It's exactly he's like the, he's, yeah. he's doing what his offense needs him to do. And again, it's, it's, again, it's U of T, and again... It's not a terrible defense, so it does mean something that, you know, it's U of T. Mm. It's not – this is not like sort of – I can't even think of a defense that's so bad as to mean nothing anymore because really there aren't any yeah, that bad. No, no. But can he do – can he have this exact same statistical game or, you know, plus or minus within reason against good teams? If yeah. he can, that's enough for Guelph to win. Yeah, no, it's – I mean, we were talking about this earlier, like – Theo, what Theo needs to do to put Guelph in a position to win isn't the type of stats that are going to make him an all-star. Like, this team is is talented enough across the board that, like, his good enough for them to win is not outstanding. It's it's really, like, a, a fairly maintained, like, game management. G- get it to your stars and let them make plays. And, you know, and work the run game if you're Theo because he's you can see towards the end of the season he's been a lot more aggressive running the ball himself which I think's paid dividends opening up the run game for their other backs too yeah yeah absolutely and his ability to you know freeze a defensive end on the backside of yeah. a of a inside zone handoff or his ability to uh you know give credibility every time he does a naked boot you have to cover that as a defense and and you're going to be holding a half, or you're going to be holding a backer. Yeah, he, he does stuff that you know. Again, nothing. He doesn't do anything better than what Trey Ford does, but it's an offense that has to be able to rely on him doing those things mm-hmm. because they're an offense that wants to run the ball. Waterloo, not as much. Waterloo is, you know, they can run the ball, and we'll get to them later. But Field Landers has a lot of value in stuff that even you know doesn't have him touching the ball just his ability to help their just as a threat yeah as Uh, a threat and a point i I was uh slowly making my way to about the wind you could see on one of his touchdowns to uh key and schaefer baker you know i guess you could just say it was an underthrown ball but it kind of just looked like it got caught up in the wind uh baker rerouted himself very nicely ended up making a sliding catch um for the touchdown but um you know one guy that we've definitely mentioned for guelph at different points in the year but is you know we're definitely going to be in the conversation when we talk about all stars down yeah. the line a linebacker yeah. at linebacker is Luke Coral yeah the Coral Reef oh my goodness like yeah. he, I I I as a Guelph yeah alumnus myself I feel like I've done a disservice for not like mentioning yeah, him anymore you like, brutal it's, it's been awful terrible I, th- I believe he's still the league leader in tackles the Coral Reef will catch many opposing offensive ships up yeah all, all up in those they will be caught on the reef. Yeah, uh, he's yeah he's done a great job all year. He has. He's been everywhere. 
you can tell this is another guy who really understands the game. Yeah. He's kind of like Casser. He's even quicker than Casser. He yeah, and a little lighter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he just he gets it, man. He's one of those backers. He gets it. Yeah, and you could see like they love sending him on the blitz, and he can. I mean, once again, this goes T, but like he can caveat, get to caveat, the caveat, can, caveat, <laughs> caveat, caveat. asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Yeah. But he, you know, he'll get to the quarterback. He can lay on hits. So like even this game, he's done it all year. Yeah, and, and you know this game, the stats don't jump off the page. But just watching it, I feel like he three tackles he was for making, a loss sort of jumps off the page. That's yeah, an impressive you, day. No, you're oh yeah, I, I mean seven and a half tackles. Yeah, but um, so just you know, big ups to him. It's gonna be a wild. You know, we'll do our own picks for who we think are the top players. Uh, oh, and said, two, done, two fumble recoveries also. Okay, never mind. I take back everything I said except I don't know, talking like fumble about recoveries them. are one of those stats that like right place, I'm more right I'm much more impressed if you're a forced fumble kind of oh, guy. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like oh fumble recovery, so you were in the right place at the wrong time yeah. and you <laughs> fell on a ball. Like yeah, good for you. But no, mm. but but in seriousness, it is. You still have to be in the right place. You have to put yourself in the right place, and then yeah. No, it's still impressive. It's just mm. you know, forced fumbles are more. Impressive to me, and uh, credit uh, you know Brendan Murphy, the rookie defensive back, with, yeah. with one of them. And and Brendan Murphy, another guy I was going to mention alongside um, with Tavius Robinson for first year guys. I yeah. mean, and Brendan Murphy is a CGIP guy, so you know caveat caveat, caveat asterisk. asterisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but he he's fun to watch because they love sending him on blitz. Like he is just kind kind of like a Luke Grease kind of guy, where like. He's gonna hit you, and he's gonna make sure you like you know who that was who hit you each time. Like he's mm. doesn't look like, like I haven't met him in person. Like I saw him uh, once, like close up, but he doesn't look like the biggest dude. But he knows how to put a licking into guys. Um, and same with Tavius. Oh, I mean, not in terms of not being uh, not looking like he can play the part because Tavius is a very large uh, dude. Um, finished with one sack. I think he got to the quarterback a couple more times. I, I think he had. He hit Luchisano, which led to the Anthony Hall pick late in the game, something like that. But just you know, a nut, you know, Luke Coral obviously is going to be graduating after this this year, but he's going to be leaving that defense in some very capable hands, um, which will be good to see. He definitely looks like the kind of guy who's going to going to make a, a CFL team in his capacity on specials. Yeah, I'm, just because he runs so well, right? Yeah, and he's he's just a good football player. Yeah, no, he's he's remarkable. Um, so you know, big game, big game for Guelph. Um. You know, being able to click at the right time of the season. I mean, obviously, as I kind of mentioned, this is the kind of game that I could have easily seen Guelph. I, I didn't expect them to lose this in any manner, but I could have seen them winning it by a much more like make you sweat type of uh, outcome. So you know, coming and it, uh, coming off the bye week, especially, which is nice to see. It's always good to see teams have nice games off the bye, made make use of that extra time. Um, and for them. You know, the, it, it, it could not have come a better time for them to be clicking like this because uh, looking ahead to next week, they're going to be taking on Waterloo um, in a game that's, you know, one of those teams, as a result, is going to make the playoffs and one of them's not. Both of these teams are clicking. That's going to be, obviously, the game of all games of yeah. the game of the week games. And w- so, game, and, game, game, game. Yeah, and, you know, if we go back to looking at the schedule before the year, that's probably a game that we thought was going to have some implications. It was an important game for Week 9, but obviously the Laurier-Western game, I can remember specifically talking in like Week 2 or Week 3, being like, can't wait for that game. It's going to be so exciting. Wow. Who's the real champ of the OUA? Um, it turns out that that one was... Um, we have a caller. We don't. We- and, oh, oh. Yes? Hello. Oops. Oh, you're from San Jose. Yeah. Oh, long distance. That's extra charge. 
Unbelievable. You must be one of our 13 listeners from San Jose. Thank you for listening. Uh, fun fact, in the event that we do keep this little banter in, we do have uh, a, <laughs> strange, <laughs> a strange amount of listeners coming out of the U.S. these days. But, you know, big ups if you're, you know, chilling stateside listening to Apple 55. But, you know, Guelph at home next week, taking on Waterloo and just, oh, cannot wait for that one. Uh, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's the game of the year, yeah. right? It's sort of it's a win-or-go-home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible for any team to lose that game and still get in. We'll have a look, but um, 100%, both teams are clicking. That should be great. Mm-hmm. We'll preview it more extensively in a minute. Yeah. But that, that wraps up our, our games of the week, our recap for this week. So oh, no, one more. Oh. Mac Waterloo. My God. It's okay, Eddie. Oh, my God. How did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Waterloo. What a, what a natural transition. There you go. Me um, forgetting about a game. Yeah. And and just and Toronto taking on York next week, the game that we – Yeah, uh, Grant. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. Super. Yeah. I, I You know what? We joked about maybe we're going to go there, but as always, it's at the same time as the Guelph-Waterloo game, so I think I'm probably going to be at home watching that one instead. And I forgot I was going to be at Western, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the brain, the brain trauma is catching up, boys. That's cool. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, let's move on to the Waterloo-Mac game. Yep. <clears throat> Final game, uh, pardon me, final score in this one, Waterloo 34, Mac 16. This game was in Waterloo, um, and it was really not until, well, you know, 34-16 games, nothing to, like, you know, open your eyes at, like, oh, my God, Waterloo blew them out. But really, that separation didn't occur till late in the game. Yeah, I know. I mean, Waterloo definitely beat McMaster in this game, and, and that sort of was, even that when they the were losing, well, that was the thing that did happen, <laughs> yes. That is a fact. Um, even though it Mac did hold the lead early, it's Waterloo, right? Like you just you you blink and they can score twenty one points, and that's yeah. exactly what happened in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, what a, what an incredible run by Waterloo, and then just tough mistakes by Mac, and then some slightly unforced errors, and again a windy day as well here. So that did play. Um, some there that did have some role. Trey Ford, another great day for Trey Ford. Guess what? He's amazing. <laughs> 302 yards passing, three touchdowns. He was 27 of 35 through the air. 12 attempts on the ground, 99 yards, mm. no touchdowns there. But highly, highly impactful. And one of those, uh, one of those runs set up uh, one of the touchdowns late. So that was uh, you know highly, highly impactful. Guess what? Tyler Trinowski, also very good. 12 for 154, two touchdowns. And we talked a little bit about some records that have been firmly set um, this week in either the OUA or for individual teams. Um, but those two players in Ford and Trinowski, we kind of mentioned this uh, way earlier in the season. Um, going into the, their last game against Guelph, both have very, very likely uh, are going to be breaking some massive records in the OUA. Well, or at least tying, right? At so, least tying, So yeah. one more touchdown for Ternowski. Yeah. Receiving, receiving touchdown, and he'll pass. No, that'll tie. That'll tie. Um, I think it's Patasic. Steph. Yeah. In the all-time receiving touchdowns. Yes. And two more, and he'll pass. Ford, this is. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. Turnowski. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets complicated. If the receiver passes the receiving, you know, he'll receive, you know, the pass. You know, anyway. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Turnowski is one away from tying. Ford is two away from tying. Yeah. Uh, their respective passing and receiving records. I'm forgetting who it is holding the record for the passing. It might be Danny Brannigan. We went over it in one of the mm-hmm. earlier podcasts, but either way, um, 
very likely to happen, whether they win or lose against Guelph in that um, final game. Um, but you know what? Like I, we, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago about Waterloo, and their so, their offense is so potent, and maybe this shouldn't surprise me, given how at the flick of a switch they can just seemingly turn it on. But this is now three games when you look back at, or maybe to any, you know even four games really. You look at that that Carlton game in which they didn't win, but they made a I think it was a 15 points in the fourth quarter to bring it within reach. You know, ultimately the loss, but a lot of points they left on the table too. But points in the fourth quarter to make it close. In the Laurier game, the Battle of Waterloo, points in the fourth quarter to make it close. The loss against York, points in the fourth quarter to make it close. Yeah. And then in this one too, 22 points in the fourth quarter to take the W. I mean, that's a really, really good point and, and, and worth really keeping in mind. This is a team with a lot of heart and when, yeah. when you know, crunch time is on, they ball. Yeah, and, and you know, <coughs> oh, Gazint. Whoa! And two of those two of those games, you feeling good? I am excellent. All right. Then, you know, two of those games at home, two of them on the road. So, you know, whether you're going to read anything like that, but, you know, I just – But there, really, yeah. there, there are some things that, that are really worth, uh, you know, drawing our attention to, uh, bringing our attention to. So, first of all, this was the best running game I've seen from Waterloo from Dion Pellerin. Yeah, Pellerin looked really good. So, trade forward at 100 yards or 99 yards rushing, what else is new? I yeah. mean, sure. Pellerin, this was his best game to date, in my opinion. Uh, he is running very decisively downhill. You know, very physical back, right? Like this kid is just muscled up, and you know, it's kind of a big, tough runner. And sometimes he maybe gets a little bit ahead of himself, trying to be, uh, you know, patient and looking for things to open up, sort of like in a Lev Bell style. There are certain offensive lines that work with, certain schemes that work with, and certain running backs who can pull that off. He's not that guy. When he runs through a hole very fast, good things happen, and he did that. And he made great cuts running through holes. And uh, shout out to the offensive line, specifically. Um, well, not even specifically. It's the whole offensive line. You know, Jesse Gibbon at left tackle. Oh my goodness, you've been isn't he something? You I mean you've been talking about him all year, and like I, I've seen him, but I, I just made a, a concerted effort this game. I'm like, I'm just gonna watch him for he's like. A, it was, he's a killer, man. Oh God, he's, he's so good. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, you good over there? <laughs> I yeah, he's special. He's I'm special. Good. He's a special athlete. Incredibly quick. He's usually quite technical, and he's strong. Like there's just nothing wrong with this kid's game. Yeah, he looks like he's playing against high schoolers. And he's playing beside Benny Koswara, who like again, this guy was in camp with Winnipeg. He looked good from what I remember seeing in the preseason with them. And you know he's he's a he's a bit of a shit kicker himself. So having two, you know, sort of really good offensive linemen beside each other, that's great. Their yeah. center, Kyle Beaumier, is a kid I coached, love him, like tough, relentless, nasty, very good center. You know, center's an interesting position in this conference. I mean, I could see the all-star stuff for center going a whole bunch of different ways, and mm. and uh, and Kyle Beaumier is, is someone I could see in contention there, certainly someone that's going to be talked about because, frankly, I don't – I mean, Colin Jerome is someone I, I'm thinking about and, and – yeah. And uh, and Kyle Beaumier, those are those are. If Baker had more games consistently, but he but he's played like what one game? Yeah, center? yeah. Like it, you know what I mean. And 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 Darius McKay is is good, but he's not as good as those two. So, you know, this is a very good offensive line. That if the All Star voting was generous to them, they could have three All Star offensive linemen. I think Jesse Gibbons a first teamer, Benny Koswara. Hard to say if he's a first or second teamer. There are a lot of good guards in the conference, and then, you know, Kyle Beaumier. And then they have. Um, uh, they have another. They have two sets of twins on their offensive line. One 
is you know the center Kyle Beaumier, his brother Kevin Beaumier is a fullback, and uh, and then they have the uh, the Curtis twins, uh, Grant and Troy. So you know, I think I'm gonna mess it up. But one of them is playing right tackle. I think mm-hmm. the other one's playing right guard now. I could be wrong there. I know one of them is playing right tackle kicked out from right guard earlier in the season. I don't know. They're sort of playing around with stuff. Spencer Andrews may be injured. But this run game is looking as good as it's looked all year. So, congratulations. Not congratulations, but that's big ups. Yeah, sure. I guess congratulations to to Waterloo because that is huge for them. If their offense can be balanced, oh, my God. And they got two guys back in their passing game who one of them had a big impact in the passing game. The other one had a big impact on specials, and I'm referring to – uh, Richmond Katia and uh, Mitch Kernick. So on the broadcast, they're saying his name like Nikita. But, you know, my my knowledge of the English language says it should be pronounced Katia <laughs> or Katia. I mean, I don't know. but uh, So I'm going to call him Richmond Katia until further notice. He had a nice day, 70 yards through the air and a touchdown. Uh, you know, looked really good out there. He's a fifth-year receiver. Like, he's – very valuable. When this offense is just Tyler Tronowski and Gordon Lom receiving. They're deadly as it. They're deadly. Yeah. When they have more options than that, I mean, incredible. Like, it, Gordon Lamb and, and Tyler Tronowski are uh, – Tyler Tronowski might be the best receiver in the country. Him and Curly Giddens should should have a cage match, bare-knuckle brawl to determine. I don't know what I that hear that's how you, you determine top receivers. I mean, when it's this close. Yeah. And uh, only one shall live. And Gordon Lamb could end up being a first-team yeah. all-star. Oh, I mean, man. it's sort of like that situation at Laurier with Brenton Hall. He's amazing. So yeah. uh, having Katia back, huge. And Mitch Koenig has made his presence felt in the receiving game in previous games. In this game, it was a fake punt that he ran. And uh, he picked up a first down on a fake punt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, huge play from him. That's awesome. And uh, very welcome additions back to the team. Now, Waterloo was playing another team this week. It was the McMaster Marauders. Yes. And, yeah, um, good point. Good point. Thank you. Yep. And, and, you know, the first thing for me that I noticed is the very first play they had offensively, they went to Justice Allen. I think it was some screen uh, or something just getting him out into space because we saw with the return of Allen that this was just another weapon they could play with. We've seen Duick really take stride. Uh, Jordan Lyons has been fairly consistent throughout the year, though we had a, you know, a fairly uh, lackluster game in this one, despite not getting too too many carries. Um, but you know, Duick to me, we talked last week how, and he finished this game twenty one of thirty one, two hundred eighty two yards, a pick, one TD. But we talked about last week, it, it his his running ability sort of took me for a loop. I didn't not knowing much about him prior to this season. Um, I didn't really know he had that in him. And you really saw it in this game, too. You know, four attempts, 51 yards. And one play in particular, I'm trying to remember, down near the Waterloo end zone where he – it was like a Steve Young-esque kind of scrambles, makes the first guy miss, takes contact when he gets hit out of bounds. I almost thought he scored for a second, but – Not the full know, helicopter, but – Not the full helicopter, but something close to it. Yeah. Um, Nice little spinorama nonetheless. You know, so despite the loss, nice, pretty nice game for him too. And but this is the best game Waterloo has played defensively all year. Yeah, like despite what the stats might tell you, two hundred eighty-two yards passing. I do played a decent game, and it was windy, and absolutely not taking anything away from him. About eighty of those yards came on the last drive of the game, uh, when the game was you know 
numerically out of reach. And, uh, you know, it, again, it was it was a decent game by Duick. Like, absolutely, this is a team that has made massive strides. Waterloo's defense has mm-hmm. made massive strides, and that bodes extremely well for their chances next week against Guelph and deeper into the playoffs because yeah. they're really fine. I mean, this was, in my opinion, this was the best game Waterloo's played all year by a large margin, uh, a large marge, if you will. And, you know, it was because it was a complete game, right? Like, Max defensive backs, we've, we've talked about it all year. If Ottawa's group isn't the best, it's probably yeah. Max or maybe Western. But, you know, however your opinion is, you know, on who the best is, we know that Mac has an elite group of defensive backs. Like yeah. They just they play so well as a unit. And I think I saw at one point, I, I think it was Noah Hallett, it looked like a sure pick that he, he dropped. Mm. But Noah's uh, an incredible defensive yeah. back. Um, but you know what they say about DBs and hands and why they're not receivers? Yeah, something, something. I think something. the punchline's in there somewhere. Anyways, uh, that's, a, that's a deconstructed joke. <laughs> so, you know, Mac Max D played, I, I thought, a decent game. It's just... When Waterloo's clicking, yeah, I don't know who can stop them. I mean, Western, Western, what? Yeah, Western. Yeah, <laughs> Western can stop them. We have factual evidence that that is the case. We've um, seen it happen. But you know, and when we talk, but when we've talked about Waterloo's defense, talk a lot about that linebacking core, some of the DBs uh, on the defensive line for them. Josh Brown had a nice game. He had a really nice game. Uh, was it? It was a sack fumble. I think he had. Yeah, I think he had, I think he had a sack uh, strip fumble. Yeah, I think Mac recovered it, but like he just got right in there, laid a nice hit on Duick. Um, he's a nice player, man. He's a nice athlete. He, he's doing good stuff. And this offensive line for Mac looked overmatched today, based on just uh, Waterloo's defense is chaos. Like it, it, it almost freaks me out. Mm. Um, well, it does freak me out. I'm like, I won't, I won't, I won't hedge. It does. Like it's, it, they just do crazy stuff. And if you if you're experienced enough to know that, like, if the guy who's in your gap goes flying somewhere else, then someone's coming to replace yeah. him, you know, you're going to be okay. But that can be a lot for these young offensive linemen. And, you know, their most veteran offensive lineman is a third-year guy, and that's Jacob Zaw playing right guard, and he's outstanding. He's one of the best in the league, there's no question. But offensive lines are as strong as their weakest link, and in a game that's going to test you mentally – Mm. there were many weak links and it showed so you know it's not that that waterloo had a you know unbelievable game you know disrupting mac but it was more pressure than i can remember them getting with just their defensive front exactly and and their uh their linebackers were obviously a a big part of that equation too because you know that's the style of defense they play it's Mm -hmm. it is it is chaotic it is wild it's sort of like if you if you merge kind of the style of defense Windsor played when they had Donovan Carter as defensive coordinator and the style of defense that Carlton was playing with Beck Manis, because obviously you had um, uh, D.A. Daryl Adams, the defensive coordinator for Waterloo. He was at Carlton with Ryan Beck Manis, and they, they played some wild stuff, some wild 3-4 stuff. So it's sort of like that. You know, they're not always going to be gap sound, uh, their linebackers are all very savvy and very good players. They make it work. So hats off to Waterloo. Very, very excited for them. Yeah, and, and clicking once again at, at the perfect time, uh, as we mentioned, sort of a Guelph cl- uh, clicking nicely, seeing as how those teams are matching up for a winner-take, well, not winner-take-all, but a, a winner-go-home situation, essentially a playoff game 
before the playoffs. <clears throat> and yes, while we have kind of joked that, you know, to what extent does road or home games affect you in this league, aside from the long road trips, Waterloo is going to have to go on the road uh, to take down Guelph next week, which will be massive. And wait, sorry, were you jumping in there? No, oh, no, no that was just a, a car beep outside. Oh, geez. Yeah. So much for soundproofing in here. Yeah. Um, and then for Mac, well, as we kind of mentioned, traveling to Windsor in, uh, I know I stand corrected in saying a game that they could lose and still make the playoffs, but it would definitely, if, 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 if only for their ego, just be catastrophic for them to drop. Um, no, you can't lose that game. No, you, no, you, you, can't. you can't. You can't be, you know, <laughs> reverse peaking, valiant. <laughs> Rally, valleying, valleying at the wrong time. Well, they would have had kind of like an arch because they started slow and then maybe peaked and then came back down, leading into playoffs. But sure, no, they they have to beat they have to beat Windsor handily, and they should. And if you know Windsor has nothing to play for except pride, which they clearly do have a lot of. So yeah, it's not that I think Windsor is going to come out and you know just take a whooping, but Mac has to come out and lay a beating. So. Yeah. Um, that that's obviously a you know an imperative win for them to get to five and three and then, you know the 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 party at five and three it's going oh to be boy. everywhere. Quickly though, before we move on from yeah. this Mac game, we have to address. Uh, oh yes, the elephant on the field, in in the proverbial room, uh, that's Greg Knox's absence. This is now the second week plus the bye week where he I don't think I don't know if he was there for the bye week or not. Uh, but this is, you know, the second game that he's missed. And I, I don't have all the details. You know, you hear rumbles on ACG, which is just the worst place to source information in the world. But uh, it's an imperfect world, so we do what we can. And I don't know exactly what the incident was. What it sounds like to me is it's something like Greg Knox yelled at some official. During which is game? during a game, yeah. which is like the kind of thing that every coach does during every game. Uh, I don't know what he could have said to him that was so offensive. I mean, Greg mm-hmm. Knox is a smart guy, so I'm sure his insults are very cutting. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, just yeah. smart people can really can wound you with their words. I guess because someone got their feelings very badly hurt. Uh, because is Drake officiating the OUA now? <laughs> I guess Pusher T just <laughs> just hit him really hard. Greg knocks uh, the Pusher T to this OUA officials, Drake. But 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 not to make light of this because sure. you know if if Knox crossed some line and there was you know proof or something, then maybe maybe there's you know maybe there's a reason to suspend him a game. Maybe I mean that would be like precedent setting in in a really outrageous way. But like okay, you know. Yeah. If that's the world we're in now, football's a rough world. People say really nasty things to each other on the football field. My understanding was this official ran into Knox on the sideline, even though Knox wasn't out on the field. But, again, you can only trust all Canada gridiron so much. Um, anyways, long story short, I, uh, I, can't, I can't fathom, like, a reason why this should be taking so long. Like, it's not even as though they've – They've made a ruling that he'll miss mm-hmm. uh, however many games. Like, the investigation supposedly is still ongoing. An investigation? Like, it's like, okay, you said something mean. Like, take a game off. Yeah. I Like, again, I don't have great details. But, like, I'm trying to – there's no way to thread the needle such that I'm listening to all this and thinking, like, oh, well, this all makes total sense. So, really, this is on Max Athletic Department. 
because they just they look like a whole bunch of stooges right now. I know they lost their AD at the beginning of the year, but they just look like the most, you know, inept band of idiots around. And that you know, and I, I don't say that lightly. Like just this, this is, is a second athletic department you're taking a shot at after Western now. What I what I say about with Western? the homecoming and. Oh well, that wasn't that wasn't the athletic department. That was the president of the school. Oh okay. And that's not really a shot. Like he made a mistake, but like whatever. Like you want to you want to move homecoming back? Fine, I don't care. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're really affecting a whole bunch of kids right now, and adults, and people who you know this is their job, their yeah. livelihood, how they feed their family. For kids, you know, for some of these kids, this is their opportunity to, you know, win a championship and then try to leave for the CFL. I mean, it's just it's beyond. It's beyond comprehension. Like this yeah. is this is almost as poorly handled as Waterloo after the steroid scandal. Mm. Like or the Regina. Or, you know, you could probably make the case for what happened to Regina too. Well, I don't know. I mean, they did the ethical thing at Regina by you know self-reporting. But anyway, sure. Anyways, long story short, this is the most unforced error I've ever seen. Like this is just. I yeah. mean, they don't have any feet left. They've shot themselves in the foot so many times. This athletic department, and it's a joke. And I'd I'd really you know it would be great if. You know, the rest of the league sort of joined in solidarity and saying, you know, th- they got to let Greg back in the building because yeah. what's going on? <laughs> and, you know, to your point, it's an investigation. What do you what do you need to find out? Like, there's not a crime scene to, to, you know, take fingerprints or find out checking security cameras. It's like, what did he say? Who do we know can you know corroborate that he said it? Do we find that to be such an offense that he needs to be missing Games, if so, how many games get it done? That seems like it would have been a very quick process. It's insane. It's just like again, like I don't have good details here. Like I wish, I wish I had all of the facts yeah. so I could more decisively shred into this. <laughs> but like, what I know, like there's just there's from what I've read, there's no way in hell that this is the right way to have handled this. Yeah. So, oh boy. Um. Dear Mac Athletic Department, figure your shit out. Yeah. And as you alluded to, too, and, and as we kind of talked about, too, with the Regina situation, that even for other teams, like, there's a certain point where you're just like, yeah, it's our competition, and maybe it, it, it obviously does harm them, which benefits us as a result. But it's like, in just the spirit of competition, on top of just the insanity of it all, it's like, ah, I can't picture a team out there knowing those facts being like yeah it's the that's the right call like down with mac but yeah it's frustrating yep so have we done enough on this game i uh, mean it's it's worth it's worth mentioning just waterloo's fourth quarter yeah um was was insane they had um i mean just a whole bunch of plays they had obviously the interception by curtis gray of uh of andreas duick that set them up with shorter field position they had a very long run from Tyler, sorry, from Trey Ford rather, where he escaped the pocket. Max Bench wanted a holding call on the play. I'm inclined to agree with them. I'm not sure even if the person who held on the play hadn't held that he would have caught Trey Ford as he scrambled out to the right and around the corner down the sideline. But there's no knowing. So they yeah. they they should have made that call. It was a holding call. Whatever. Those get missed. That's part of the game. You can call holding on every play. Uh, and I'm glad they don't, because if they had, that would have been a really big problem for me personally. But if a, if a quarterback's scrambling out to the right, and the person on the, you know, on the on the edge on that side, 
is holding, then, you know, they should call it. So, yeah. uh, I'm inclined to agree with Mac on that one. But, I mean, who's to know if it, if it really made any difference in the really grand scheme of things? Because Waterloo was clicking so effectively at that point, <laughs> it just didn't matter. Well, the way you kind of mentioned whether the defender would have caught Trey Ford either way, it would be kind of funny to institute the same way that on, like, a PI penalty. It's like, well, it was an uncatchable ball, so – we're not going to call a penalty. It's like, well, DN, yeah, he held you, but you weren't catching Trey Ford, so we're just going to let it slide anyways. Yeah, again, it's just it's unknowable. And I don't yeah. think it was a defensive end. There was pressure and there was an extra defender. True. So it's not someone who should have been really, you know. Who, whoever that edge or, who, yeah, whoever yeah. it was. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, you had you had the long uh, uh, Dion Pellerin run yeah. um, for, the for a touchdown, which was, was great. And, uh, yeah, again, Dion really looking great. That um, – I forget which – drive it was on if it was on the Ternowski or the Nikita Katia touchdown rather uh that that Trey Ford ran run came Mac also tried a fake punt yeah you know it's funny because it was a windy day and I don't know you know I think it was Prio Cannon throwing it so I I mean I'm I'm 100% sure it was Prio Cannon throwing it and he just threw a duck and it bounced before it you know would have hit the uh the the whoever it was that was supposed to have received it, who was wide open. So it's a play that would have worked. Um, I guess you can never really trust punters to make a good throw. Even if their name's Prio Cannon. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, we've already hit the Prio Cannon jokes earlier in the year. Yeah, I've exhausted any, like, name puns I think I can come up with. I'm sure there's probably some more out there. Yeah, well, I mean, there always are more puns to be had. Yeah. Yeah. but again, just one of those plays that like, well, it didn't work, and that that set up Waterloo with a short field in that sort of, you know, area, and 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 when Waterloo was clicking so nicely, like, you can second guess that if you want. Yeah. But again, if Prio Cannon could hit a twelve, fifteen yard pass, not even that long, like ten, well, it would have worked fine. So yeah. it should have. It was open. It was easy. Didn't work. So Waterloo had the uh, the successful fake punt conversion, and Mac didn't. That was a big swing in that game, yeah. Uh, with many others. So this is the kind of game that if Greg Knox was there, I don't think that means <laughs> I don't think it means that you know McMaster's winning, but it certainly helps. And this is the, this is just again one of those distractions that there's no good reason for. Yeah, so. and we'll we'll see if we see Knox on the sideline when Mac travels to Windsor next week, um, and you know if if not then they make it into the playoffs. Hopefully we see him then, um, and yeah, we'll see if Waterloo can uh, continue their role and finally make it into the playoffs. We saw the great year last year. Uh, this year has been such a magical run as well. This is honestly, this will be a tough game for me because, you know, in my heart of hearts, I can't cheer against Guelph, but... Waterloo, I can. <laughs> you can. But Waterloo is so much fun. They are, just, they are a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd love to see them in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, that's a wrap on, on week eight in the OUA. Uh, let's move on to bigger and better things now. All right, so moving out to Canada West for a moment, just to kind of take a look at what the conference is, is up to and, you know, maybe... Have a look and see if anyone could uh, unseat Western from that conference just based on how they're playing. And the answer is, well, maybe Calgary. Yeah, they're pretty good. Calgary won again this week against Manitoba, 34-16. to uh, On the day, you know, Cal- Calgary won 
handily. Like, this was not a game. This was not a close game, despite a relatively close score. Calgary was up to a 20-point lead very early on, and then uh, Manitoba had some garbage-time scores, which, you know, they, they count all the same, but when you have sort of one point going into the fourth quarter uh, against a team that has 34, you're not in that game. Uh, Adam Sinagra played, you know, for his standards, a relatively statistically uh, pedestrian game with only 305 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. He was 30 of 45 on the ground. Robinson Rodriguez, uh, you know, had he had the lion's share of the work, 13 carries for 70 yards for Calgary. So not like not a dominant game uh, by any stretch. On the other side of the ball, Manitoba, Jamel Lyles. He's a guy who everyone needs to know. He's an all-Canadian caliber running back he had 15 attempts for 147 yards and a touchdown that's good for an average of 9.8 against obviously a very good team Des Catelier, the quarterback for Manitoba had hopefully the worst game of his career statistically um I guess it's not that disgusting because there are no interceptions but 121 yards passing 9 of 23 through the air uh convert you know completions to attempts obviously not a very good day from him so uh, you know, Manitoba doesn't really have that juice. I don't think they can challenge Calgary in the playoffs, assuming they make it, which it looks likely that they will. Other games in the OUA, sorry, in the OUA, in Canada West, Regina took on Alberta. They got their first quote-unquote win <laughs> of the year. Uh, you know, having had a couple of wins vacated for that really ridiculous uh, stupid offense of playing some ineligible player and Assuming it's not an egregious, you know, he's actually 45, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, he's never been to school in his life. Now, assuming it's just what I think it is, which is one of those sort of small rule infractions. Yeah. Uh, very, very silly stuff. But Regina did come out swinging. Still no Noah Picton. Seb Britton was the quarterback for Regina. He had a nice day. 273 yards, two touchdowns, one interception through the air. He was 18 of 32. On the other side of the ball... Brad Baker for Alberta didn't have a great day. 219 yards, one touchdown, two picks, 18 of 36. Calling attention again to Alberta's running back, true first-year kid, Jonathan Rosary. He had nine attempts for 77 yards. You should give him the ball more. He's averaging 8.6 a carry in that game. He needs more touches. He's a great player. Um, you know, didn't factor in the receiving game, but he uh, he is a really good player. They have a they have that 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 short, you know, thickly built slot receiver Ben Kupchinski, who's, you know, a nice player. He had 80 of those receiving yards. Uh, on Regina's side of the ball for court, you know, for non-quarterback stats, Adley Simon had a nice day. 17 attempts, 87 yards, 5.1 average. So not you know hyper productive, but a very good back. You know, one of the best in the conference last year, and then he's been dealing with some injuries this year, but obviously a very good player, and. Uh, Nothing enormously exciting to report from the receivers. Uh, Shinbein had a nice game, seven, uh, seven catches, 89 yards, no touchdowns. Um, I theoretically, Regina can make the Canada West playoffs if they get two more wins, and other teams just you know lose a few games. But one of those wins will have to come next week against Calgary. And you mentioned Picton wasn't in this one, right? Yeah, they're not beating Calgary without. Yeah, and it's it, Noah Picton. I do. Do we know? Do, do you have any inkling of, of of what his status is? Was it an injury or? Just... I unfortunately I don't. Yeah, I mean it. The, yeah, they're not going to beat him without him. They very likely 
Wouldn't beat him with him. Yeah, but you know, we kind of talked about just the magic of being able to see, you know, ideally in uh, the Can West final, Sinagra go against Picton would be so great. So hopefully he's there for a nice Friday night game. Um, I feel like if you're Regina, that kind of becomes your unofficial sort of Super Bowl moment of just like, you know, let's just let's just see if we can just. You might as well go for broke, yeah, man. Exactly. Like it's, it's 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 unfortunate that this had to happen. The yeah. self-reporting after five games, you would hope it happened earlier. But hey, it's five, not six. So like they have, they have a a, a technical yeah. mathematical chance of getting into the playoffs, as slim as it may be. So a lesson for you kids out there listening: never tell the truth. That's true. Always lie. Always and lie. Do not yeah. self-report any error you make. Do anything and everything you can to support your own cause. We are wonderful ethical life coaches. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on to the other game in the conference that week, Saskatchewan UBC. UBC won twenty to ten. It was uh, yeah, kind of a kind of an odd game. I mean, Saskatchewan moved the ball really well, but turnovers really sunk the ship for them. I mean, they outpaced UBC in terms of first downs with twenty four to eighteen, and then total offense, uh, four hundred and fifty three to 359 and that's on you know just a couple more plays so they were more efficient on offense as well in terms of moving the ball but inefficient in terms of giving the ball away which both Mason Nias and Kyle Simeon's uh their their two quarterbacks did you know collectively throwing for over 340 yards uh but only one touchdown and four picks between the two of them so uh, not a great day from them. Michael O'Connor on the other side of the ball, the obvious standout for UBC, great quarterback, transferred from Penn State. Had a nice day, 29 uh, completions on 35 attempts, 276 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So obviously that's an important one for them. They did not turn the ball over at anything like the clip that Saskatchewan did, and they always say if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win the game. That's almost always true. It is known. It, it is known. It is known, Khaleesi. <laughs> and uh, it's it's very clear that UBC won the heck out of that turnover battle. So, good for them. Uh, the conference, as it stands right now, Calgary's in first place. They have clinched first place with uh, six wins. They're 6-0. 242 points for, 127 against. They're obviously the best team in this conference. It would take a pretty spectacular blunder for them to not make it to yeah, the Mitchell Bowl. Yeah, and it would take <clears throat> you know an equally large blunder probably from Western to not meet them there. Yeah, uh, at TD Stadium in you know four weeks or whatever it is. As as much as the whole Regina thing is frustrating, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if things play out in Can West as we assume with Calgary ad- advancing. If you know down the line when just the the ACG forums run cold after the season to start seeing some like Regina. Um, fans just talk about, oh, it's, it's, you know, put your asterisks next to that one, Calgary, because this wasn't, you know, I, 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 I mean, can't wait for the salt. Calgary's clearly a better team. I mean, someone's going to make the playoffs from Canada West who probably shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, that might end up being Manitoba. Or, you know what, maybe Regina would have ended up not making the playoffs because, you know, in fairness, it's not like they were killing it before yeah. this self-reported error. So, it is, it is, it is one of those things where there might end up being no real net effect, um, but there should have been because Noah Picton is, you know, such a good quarterback. You know, you would think that they would be a playoff team. 
Yeah. Anyways, I don't expect anyone to unseat Calgary. UBC may have the best shot. It looks like they're playing better football. They started the year off incredibly shaky. They're 3-3. Three and three. The University of Saskatchewan is also 3-3, three and three, and Manitoba is also 3-3. Three and three. So a lot of people at 3-3. Three and three. Alberta just outside of that at 2-4. and four. One of those wins uh, is a vacated win from Regina. So, you know, it asterisk there, I guess. Uh, and Regina, 1-5. I think vacated their, their previous wins and getting that one win against Alberta. So they have a chance. It's not a good one. Who knows? Who knows? Call yeah, call it a punt, uh, boxer's chance or whatever they whatever they say. Um, and I guess just quickly, should we go over the rest of the rest of the uh, the nation? We'll take a look. Yeah, tell uh, me about it. RSEQ. We had uh, two games. Laval taking out McGill to the tune of fifty-seven to thirteen. And yeah, sounds uh, about right. As we've come to expect, a big game for uh, Mister Hugo Richard in this one. Twenty-two of twenty-seven. 376 yards and five touchdowns. Yep. That'll uh, that'll win you some ball games. Um, then Montreal taking out Concordia 30 or pardon me 24 to zero. A shutout for them in that one. And uh, of course the standings then remain the same at the top. Montreal with the two losses behind Laval, and of course those two losses come to guess who Laval. So you know all, always tough for uh, always tough in that conference. Out on the East Coast, St. Mary's remains undefeated, taking out Mount Allison 28-16. to And Acadia defeated Bishops 31-9. to uh, So I believe that pretty much maintains the status quo out East with St. Mary's seeming like the uh, the favorite to come out of there. Um, so I guess that's that's the that's the wrap for you sports. And so now, now looking ahead to next week, to week nine, the final week in the OUA, um, quickly just to run through the schedule, we, we've mentioned all the games. You got Laurie at Western, the Western homecoming game, Mac going to Windsor, York Toronto, the Battle of Toronto, the Red and Blue game, Waterloo and Guelph, an absolute must watch, and then Ottawa Queens, another very interesting games. And all those games, save for the Battle of Toronto, have significant playoff implications and you know we've we've done our best to go through some of you know some of the possible scenarios that can play out and so i'm going to go through a few of the options i I believe there's 16 possible outcomes that that can work out i'm not going to go through all of them because that would take way much more time than i i would like to you know give to this but let's just throw out a scenario here in terms of some possible winners from next week we see western takes out laureate Okay, sure. Ottawa takes out um, Queens. Waterloo beats Guelph. Mac takes home, and then Mac takes out um, Windsor. Uh, win- yeah, Mac takes out Windsor. All you know, some more than others in that combination. Very likely, which would give us a Western finishing off the perfect season, eight and zero. Ottawa six and two. Carlton um, five and three ahead of Waterloo at five and three because they have the tie break, and then. You have this little three-way at the bottom with Mac, Guelph, and Laurier all at four and four. Now, sorry, that's assuming Mac beat meet beats Windsor. Yes, they would oh, be five and three. Oh, pardon me, I did. Oh yeah, sorry. That so then, yeah. Whoops, that would be Ma- that reading off the wrong scenario. So then Mac at five and three, and then Guelph at four and four, rounding off the playoff scenario. Laurier missing the boat on that one. Um, and Queens. And and, and Queens, yes. Um, 
another possible scenario. So let's take the same rough outline, but now let's say flip the Guelph with Waterloo scenario. Um, then you would have Western, Ottawa, then Carlton, Guelph, and Mac all at five and three, and it would be Carlton, Mac, Guelph, I believe. And then at the bottom, you would have uh, 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 Laurier and Waterloo. Laurier, once again, missing um, as they lost the head-to-head in the Battle of Waterloo, and then you know still playing with the scenario in which Queens had lost in their game. Now let's flip the script a little bit. Let's say Queens takes out Ottawa in their matchup. Um, you know, say Western still keeps the win. So let's go with a week where Western, Queens, Waterloo, Mac, uh, and Mac win. Then we have a scenario with, you know, Western still at eight. No, Ottawa five and three, Waterloo five and three, Mac five and three. And then you have Guelph, Laurier, and Queens in the four and four spot. Now that's where it becomes tricky because now we have a situation where Guelph beat Laurier, Laurier beat Queens, and Queens beat Guelph. And in the weird tie break scenario, there's a few rules they go through. And, and I, I haven't quite worked out how it would play out in this situation. But there is, um, you know, a progressive, there's like six progressive steps that they work through to determine how it's going to be seated. The first, obviously, in the head to head matchups. But as we discussed in this particular situation, there's kind of a little standoff there. Um, so after the head to head matchups, the next step becomes. Um, the next step becomes point difference in the head-to-head followed by record in games within the division, which I guess is just, that just is what it is because they don't play games outside the division. And then the um, after that, it would be record in games against common opponents. And then the last step, um, which I guess at this point has exhausted all possible outcomes if none of those others have determined the winner, is... Um, the record in games against other teams in the defi- in the division in descending order. So I guess just how did you do against the top competition? Um, it's just there's so many factors, so many moving parts that you know we haven't been able it's to work. Wild, the, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. It's crazy. Um, so just a small taste of some of the possible outcomes and, you know, why you should absolutely stay tuned for this week. You know, some of the individual matchups, obviously in that Waterloo game, the playoff implications are rampant, but of course we're going to see some record, you know, I'm willing to bet we'll, we'll see one, probably both of those two in Hernowski and Ford breaking some serious OEA records, if not just tying them, um, you know, the, you know, you got other huge games, happening um with playoff implications so you know another week that you just you can't miss in this league and and it's, it's playoff time you know it, it's it, this is where you're gonna see who, who are the players who are the phonies teams got to really show up at this point and we, we've seen some teams really be able to refine their game coming towards the end of the season but if you're not in stride at this point the purple giants gonna crush your bones they're gonna they're gonna That's crush it. the bones turn it into a powder and use it to uh I don't know. Do something unpleasant. I don't know what you guys do at Western, but I don't like it. But uh, <laughs> that's our wrap. Gotta that, you leave know, that alone. Leave that alone. Put it in the vault. Blow the vault up. So that's looking ahead to week nine, the final week in the OUA regular season. We finally made it here. Seems like just yesterday we were sitting in this, same, this very same room trying to figure out how this whole thing was going to work out. But we are here. Some games that we thought at this point in time were going to have 
you know, more implications a la Western and Laurier. I mean, it has huge implications for Laurier. It does. But Western, you know. I can remember vividly. Wouldn't it be such a yeah. such a disrespect if Western played their backups? I, what I've heard is that's not their plan. They're planning to play their starters. Yeah. But for how much of the game? Yeah, true. How, how big of a game plan are they really going to put down on a team that, you know, you know, maybe they make it in, maybe they don't. But either way, they're not playing their best football. Like how Laurier. hard does how hard does Marshall hold a grudge though? Because Laurie still took him out two years ago. No, the, the, the answer is pretty hard. Pretty so. hard. I, that was my inclination. Um, not no, knowing no. The in man. reality, I, I don't. I don't actually think that's true. I just, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sure he'd still love to knock them out if he had the opportunity. You want to so. win every game. You want to have a perfect exactly. season. That's fine. I, that, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it's and I I can remember specifically. In that, uh, was it the week two bye Western had? Was it week two or week three? Early on in the year, they had the bye. They had that rough game against Carlton, sneaking out the win. Yeah, and Laurie was looking so good, and I can still remember you with your your snarky tone talking about, oh, I would have thought Laurier would be the best team in this conference, but I know better. Something to that effect proved you were correct. I feel attacked. That was a really that was a little ad hoc. That was a ruthless attack. Yeah, it was nicely done though. I appreciate it. Well, hopefully the OUA doesn't freaking suspend Uh, me now for a verbal. (laughs) I better keep my eyes open for those stripes. Three weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy, you're gonna be running solo for the playoffs here. I'm I'm running you up. Um, but yeah, that 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 does it for uh you know week eight for us. Quick shout out to our neighbors south of the border because according to some of the metrics, some of the analytics we get on where we're getting listens from on the podcast. Big shout out to San Jose, Omaha, Denver, Los Angeles, Miami, Dallas, Atlanta, just to name a few. Places that are giving us more views than Ontario cities. Hamilton. I mean, I don't even know why I'm addressing you directly because apparently you're not listening. I'm hoping you are. Come on, man. Yeah, jeez. You're getting, what, you're what did we ever beat, do to you? You're getting beat by Anchorage. I like steel. You're getting beat by Anchorage. I like, I, I like, I like cool factory air. I mean, come on, man. Got more listens in the last seven days from Honolulu. Yeah. So Omaha is like, what, our second second on our <laughs> yeah. list? Omaha. <laughs> you know, that's how crazy about football the U.S. is. Yeah, exactly. They're, I guess they were bored of what was happening there. So they're like, oh, I, don't oh, I wonder what's happening. <laughs> it's probably just a parody to them. They probably listen to this. They go like, oh, that's so quaint. They play football in Ontario. You know what? I'll take it. I'll I, take the list. I wonder, I wonder if they dome it up with igloos. <laughs> you know, yeah. Something like only that. Out in, only out in Can West. Um, but, you know, that's our wrap. Any final words for the people out there, Eddie, this week? And I have nothing for you, man. Just watch these damn games and enjoy, and we'll see how things shake out with the the, the multitude of playoff scenarios that you know that are that are theoretically possible. And it should be a blast in the OUA this week. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Definitely so, make sure to be watching that Waterloo game. Absolutely, Waterloo and Guelph. Guess what time it starts? One o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, great. That's but uh, yeah. killed it. As always, um, but that does it for us. We'll see you next week at the 55.